0: Hi everybody, welcome to St. Patrick's Studio, The Conversation. My name is Brian Cannon. Today we are joined by Courtney Baker. She is the host and producer of the Storytime Podcast, which features people who are overcoming life's challenges in a positive way. And I just think that is so awesome. Courtney, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me, Brian. I'm so excited to be on the show.
0: So you are a conversation person. Like, usually you're me. (laughs)
1: I know it's so weird that the roles are reversed right now. Like I didn't have to plan out. Okay, what am I going to ask? Like the pressure's off for this one.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't have anything planned just so you know. (laughs) So just tell us a little bit about your podcast and and how it got started and where it's going.
1: Yeah. So Storytime started during COVID. Um, I'm sure a lot of podcasts did um, when everything went virtual. So I worked for Um, two teams back in Reno, a soccer team and a baseball team, and both were shut down at the time. And I was living by myself and just everybody went work from home and I was homesick, missing Arizona where I'm back finally. But I was like, I know so many incredible people with amazing stories. I'm lonely right now. Why don't I, you know, have a reason to reach out to all these people that I know, just have a conversation with them, catch up and, uh, start a podcast. So that's how it all came to be. Um, it started with just people that I knew from working in the industry and stuff like that, and has grown to some amazing people that I didn't know previously. Um, but it has been so fun. It's reached over 50 countries. Um, it's It really blew up a lot more than I thought it would. Um, so I love it. I don't have a ton of time for it now, just starting a new job and moving back. Um, but I do have some interviews lined up that will be coming before the holidays. Um, so story time is still going. Ooh.
0: It's It's, uh, <laughs> you know, I kind of stumbled into this too. You know, There's, like you said, it's it's COVID and I'm, I'm at home. I got a camera. I got a microphone. And you're just sort of surprised when you reach out to people. And they say yes, all of right? A I think
1: everybody, especially in 2020, was like, "You want to talk to me, please?" Like, <laughs> we just were all so bored with nothing to do. Um, and yeah, it's it's been so great, and I was so honored to have you know people that had it. The show hadn't been produced yet, so they had no idea what they were walking into. And for the first few guests to say yes um, was just the best thing. And now you know we're 50 plus episodes later
0: amazing. And, and, you know, a lot of who you're talking to, it's a wide variety of people. It's very impressive, but, but it's a lot of athletes. And, you know, when you're an athlete, I, I suspect, because I'm pretty athletic, if you look at me, um, you get asked a lot of the same things right? Especially post-game interviews. You're in front of your locker and, and there's, well, you hope you do good. You want to do good. I think we played as a team tonight and we're just taking it one game at a time and you get, but you dive a little bit deeper. And what, what's the experience like of getting to know people that we sort of know, but you get to know them on a deeper level. What's that like?
1: I will say it's really special for me. So a lot of the first athlete interviews that I had for the show were all guys that um, I worked with in the past, so I knew them on a personal level. When I work for a team, I always try to get to know the players as professional friends, like where it's more than just what do you need or me making an ask of them, it's getting to know them. Um, And then we did have two amazing Olympic gymnasts, um, Alicia Sacramone Quinn and Samantha Peszek, who I didn't know. Um, So to get to know them on a personal level and for them to be so open without having that previous relationship was really cool. And I just want to make the episodes fun for people to listen to, because a lot of times they hadn't heard of these athletes. They don't really care about, right? What are your stats? You know, like all that stuff that trained sports media will ask after games, like you mentioned, for me, it's all right. Can you cook? you know, what's your favorite thing to cook or, you know, what's a funny story when you were in college or whatever. Um, So for me, it just makes it more entertaining. And you mentioned you didn't really have anything prepared for this. I'm kind of the same way I will have. If I don't know the person, I have like four bullets of maybe where they're from, where they went to school. But other than that, it's let's just chat, you know, get to know each other on a casual level. So that's been really fun for me, especially with all these athletes.
0: Right. And the angle that you take is the positive angle of overcoming life's challenges, right? Which, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think we're used to, you know, we're just coming off the Olympics and you hear everybody's story of, I I drove six hours to practice or, um, but, but, you know, it's just the deeper level too of, you know, sometimes we deal with illness in our families and our lives and there's all, there's the hidden selves Mm -hmm. that, you know, I I put forth a, a certain persona working for the church. Um, but I struggle with the exact same thing that every single other disciple struggles with. Right. So now kind of flipping the script, cause this is what this interview is about. You're becoming the interviewee instead of the interviewer. <laughs> Let's talk about you and, and some of the things that you've been able to overcome and what's the positive takeaway that you have from that.
1: Yeah. So one thing that I've been talking about for years, um, Is in 2015, I actually was in a very abusive relationship. Um, Eight months of abuse. It was uh, my boyfriend at the time was my best friend of 11 years. We met in middle school, um, and things just kind of flipped as we got older. We went, you know, several years without seeing each other. Reconnected. Things were great at first. Then all of a sudden, um, basically every sign of an abusive relationship started coming through. I had never seen anyone else go through it Um, so i didn't know until finally like early 2016 mid 2016 once i started getting help i could see Um, but that was really a big struggle for me and in december 2015 i was diagnosed with ptsd um, and i still today deal with um, symptoms of that i did a talk space during covid and i learned how much it really affects your nervous system Um, When you get triggered, it's your brain down, like your body still freaks out. Um, I got claustrophobia, which I never used to have. Um, So for me, that's probably the biggest struggle and hurdle that I've ever had to deal with because we're all these years later and I'm still trying to work through the trauma and moving back home, moving to all the places that we used to go to and knowing that he's still around um, but I have really turned it into just telling my story as much as I can. I know so many people have been victims of abuse, whether they want to, um, you know, tell people or if it's something that's only them and their abuser know. Still, um, so I've always just made it a point to share my story and to be vulnerable. And to say the things that I'm really not comfortable saying that I went through and still go through, um, but I'm trying to use my biggest struggle and hurdle um, to hopefully help people, whether I know um, them personally or not.
0: It's so important to destigmatize and to talk about it, especially you know October being Domestic Abuse um, Awareness Month. So I really appreciate you, you know, sharing that story and and to show people that healing is available, you know, mm-hmm. and, and maybe step one for that is communication. One of the things that you've said is that healthy communication really drives a culture. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we can't be afraid to talk about these things and, and to put it out there. And so now you, you mentioned like hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Mm-hmm. Like you look back and you can kind of see how these things are happening, but for somebody who's in the midst of it, mm-hmm. what might some of the things be that they're looking for?
1: Yeah. So for me looking back on it, there were things when I was going through it that I thought were normal. Um, so it would be the different types of abuse. One was, you know, just sitting in the car and all of a sudden him just verbally abusing me, saying all these insults, all of that, and like laughing about it and making it like a joke or that he thinks he's being funny. That's abuse if it's constant, if it's you know, saying things like, oh, you're ugly, you're fat, you're a horrible person, you don't deserve, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's verbal abuse. Um, Also, when it got physical, it would be an apology. 20-30 minutes later, and be like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to, I love you so much, it won't ever happen again. When I'm in it, and when victims are in it, you think, okay, because you're so manipulated to Care about your abuser because it's just what abuse does to you. You're trained to think that you can't be without this person. So when I was in it, I was like, okay, he said he's sorry. We love each other. It won't happen again. And then, of course, it repeats over and over and over. Um, and the hardest thing when you're in it is to figure out how to get out. Um, it took a horrible situation for me to get out of it. But um, You also, there's threats a lot of times. It's your abuser saying, for me, it was, hey, I'll kill your family if you tell anyone or kill you. Um, Others, you know, will just say horrible things, make death threats, make other sorts of threats to their victims. Um, So it's really trying to figure out the safest way to get out. And I wish I had gone to the police because at the end of the day, the police I felt like could have protected me with my ex making that threat. I feel like it would have been taken the correct way. And I did get an order of protection um, several months later, but it's just, it's so tough when you're in it. I would say also just tell people my family had no clue. Um, My best, best friend at the time only kind of knew he definitely didn't know the extent, but he had seen like some tension when all three of us would hang out. Um, But just tell somebody that you're comfortable talking to and that, you know, um, you can trust and that will just listen because the biggest fear is if you tell somebody what you're going through, somebody that has no experience with abuse and they tell you what you should be doing, that could sometimes be counterproductive if they say, hey, you know, confront your abuser," whatever, Mm -hmm. like horrible advice. Uh, But either tell a trained professional, tell law enforcement or just tell a friend because keeping it in just destroys you even more mentally. Um, so that's my biggest advice for people.
0: And, you know, there, there are resources too that, like you said, to talk to a professional, you know, yep. your uncle Bob might be a really well-meaning person, yeah. but may not be equipped to to uh, handle, you know, this type of situation. So I, I think that's that's really fantastic advice. And And having come out the other side of it, having experienced healing, I'm sure you still carry scars, you know, Mm -hmm. Jesus after the resurrection, he still, he still carries the scars of the suffering, but what, what I think maybe that does for you is equip and empower you to be able to reach out to other people in a way that somebody like me can't, you know? And so that's, that's a, a gift I think. And so how has it really, um, empowered you in the, in the course of your conversations of your podcast with that kind of emotional intelligence?
1: I would say it's just helped me learn just to understand what people are going through. Everybody has dealt with some sort of trauma, um, whether they care to share what that trauma is or not. Nobody's had a perfect life. We've all, you know, had sins. We've all, you know, everybody's just human. Um, So for me, I've learned because a lot of people don't know what I went through unless they ask or something comes out to where I need to tell them, or they've seen me post about my story somewhere else, but I don't assume that people know. Um, so I always just take that mindset and talk to people, um, you know, with like a caring tone, um, and really just hear people out. And I have always appreciated that people have been there to listen to my story since I've been comfortable sharing. So especially in the podcast where I don't want to force anyone to share something that's super personal if they aren't comfortable with it because normally I don't cut anything out like it's a raw conversation um but I do let people know that even if it's off air um, or off the record that you know I can understand what it's like to go through something um and I'm there to listen to them no matter how close we are
0: I think the the positivity and then the empowerment that you do in the context of your conversations that's fueled by your experience is so important because one of the things that I think traps people in, um, in unhealthy relationships is this sense of fault or mm-hmm. um, guilt or shame or any of those narratives that are not true about ourselves, but are adopted within us. So to have those positive conversations, those uplifting conversations, what kind of difference does that make in somebody's life?
1: Yeah, it took. I will be completely honest, and I'm sure anybody that's been through abuse that's listening to this can relate. It did take a very long time for me to be positive again. I was such a positive person growing up. 2015 kind of broke me down. Um, just hearing so many bad things about myself from the person that I loved. I lost contact with a lot of people. Um, I barely, you know, talked to my family, who obviously I'm still close with. I live with right now since I just moved back, um, it really, really breaks you down to where you become jaded. You just don't have any feelings anymore. You're able to, you know, block out any sort of feeling um, to protect yourself. So I mean, it took a lot of work to, um, you know, become the person that I am today. It took a lot of trying to heal personally. So I know for me, Um, Before I moved to Reno in 2018, going to St. Pat's with my family all the time. That was my safe place um, just because I grew up going to St. Pat's every week. Um, Also, just finding your person to talk to, um, you know, watching a favorite TV show or favorite movie, things to just kind of put you in a better mood and get that mindset kind of calmer. Um, And then also just realizing that all the things that have been said to you to break you down, they were said to break you down. And if you continue to let them just make you this miserable, negative person, that's your views are winning. Um, So for me, it's, hey, look at me sharing my story. Look at me trying to help others. That's a big, like, you know, just, it's exactly what my ex doesn't want, I guess, is the appropriate way to say it. Um, So that's kind of why I've just really put such an emphasis on, you know, getting the old Courtney back.
0: And and whose narrative of Courtney do you accept as being valid, right? The person who is trying to control you, which is a form of slavery, or what God has to say about us, right? Exactly. If I'm infinitely lovable to God, unconditional love, who am I to reject that opinion of myself, right? Not this person yeah. who's trying to control me for their own purposes, right?
1: Yeah. And the person that's saying it, a lot of times is a very, very bad person themselves. So I I mean, just looking back at the way he was and the way he carried himself and the way he treated people, the none of the things he said to me, I should have validated because that's not the kind of person I want to be like. Um, So, yeah, like you said, it's, you know, I'm the way that God made me. It's, you know, he's going to love me for me and the way that I choose to create myself and, you know, make my personality. And, um, you know, that's that's what matters.
0: So some of those things that we're looking at for healthy relationships are relationships that seek to build the other up, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that they're not about tearing down relationship where you feel like you are more yourself when you're around that other person, not less so, right? What are Mm -hmm. some of the other things that we can be um, looking at as benchmarks of healthy relationships?
1: Oh, well, like I, or like you said, you know, just somebody that can build you up, somebody that makes you want to be better. Um, Not somebody that encourages you to, you know, change or anything, but that you guys can be each other's biggest cheerleaders. Um, I would just say somebody that isn't super, um, I don't think protective is the word, but somebody that will let you have, you know, friendships and be close to your family. Because for me to get cut off from everybody was so toxic. Um, You know, I wasn't allowed to text them. Like it was just, Insane, and that really ruins me. So, somebody that appreciates and allows you to have other, um, you know, friendships and a relationship with your family is huge. Um, I just say, somebody that is your biggest, like, I kind of going back to the biggest cheerleader part, just somebody that is there to let you go for your dreams and your goals, too. Um, when I was at the start of my abusive relationship, I thought about potentially going to LA. Um, for a job opportunity and was immediately shut down by my ex on that. Um, it's something that I still think about would have been an amazing opportunity and potentially could have changed my career. But a healthy relationship is somebody that is going to want to support you with your dreams um, and allow you to you know, live out something that you've been wanting to do. Um, so those are just some kind of overall things, but just somebody that makes you feel good about yourself. Um, if you're getting bad vibes, from somebody that you really care about and says that they care about you, it's probably not a healthy relationship.
0: I agree. I agree. Now, just to pivot a little bit, because you said bad vibes, and it just made me think of, you got a U of A flag hanging behind. I know, I know pre-production, we talked about this a little bit, but do you want to explain yourself a little bit there?
1: Yes, in this laptop, it's actually my work laptop. It's very old. I can't put any Zoom backgrounds on it, so... I'm stuck with it. I am in the casita, my little makeshift bedroom office right now while I'm at my parents. And years ago, I got my dad because both my parents and one of my brothers graduated from U of A. I got him a U of A and a Chicago Cubs World Series flag. And I went to ASU, graduated December 2014. I still have my, now I'm a contractor because our office is at ASU. I have a new (laughs) sun card a decade later. Nice. I am all ASU but I always have to tell people I am not U of A ignore the flag in the background. It's just for my dad.
0: <laughs> you're a very good daughter. I just want to point that out. That's you're very kind. Um, <laughs> well, just for fun, let's talk about, you know, the podcast a little bit. Um, who, who have you really fanned out over? Like, like for example, I had her Medwards, like, and I freaked out when I, when I was like, um, Interviewing coach, you know, just uh, so who's that for you? Like, who who did you get the butterflies?
1: Oh man, one I love Herm Edwards. I have not had a conversation with him, but I've loved the way he carries himself with interviews. So you're
0: gonna have to change the flag. I'm just
1: <laughs> oh, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, I would say I don't know if it's fanned out. Like, there's been some that I've tried to get on the show that I know I would totally fangirl over. Um. But I'd say the biggest honor, I guess I'm going to change it a little bit. All right. Um one of my friends who barely does interviews. Um his name's CJ Mosley, he's on the Jets. Um shout out to him. He is pretty quiet. He I had been telling him or asking him since the start of the podcast if he would do it. He opted out of the season um in 2020 because of COVID, just wanted to be safe. So he really just went kind of MIA from any media. And finally in March, he's one of my closest friends. I texted him again. I was like, CJ, like last chance. Can you please do it? And I was his first interview in forever. So like I told him, I got more nervous over an interview with somebody that I talked to every day than somebody that like I maybe never met um, like Pasha Poshko from Dancing with the Stars who I watch that show every week. He's amazing. But like for me, interviewing CJ was like, the most pressure because I knew it was such an honor. Um, so that's probably the one that I've had the most like butterflies. Guys, like Courtney, do not screw this one up.
0: <laughs> Isn't it interesting? Like like somebody that you're friends with and you have that that relationship, but when you add in that extra little wrinkle, man, the the nerves hit you, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it was great. He was amazing. He's one of the best people I know. So it it worked out well. Um, but yeah, it, I had to get through that one. Just, I lost sleep. I was like, don't mess this up for CJ, yeah. but, but it worked out great.
0: Now, which one was sneaky good? Which one do you, maybe you didn't, wasn't sure how it was going to go, but then it like snuck up on you. Like, oh man, that was a great conversation that I wasn't prepared for.
1: Hmm. Oh man. I'm putting I you on have, the spot. I know. I have loved every guest I've had on the show. I will just say that it's been such a blessing to have. The most amazing guests um but ben higgins he was one of the most popular bachelors i love bachelor bachelorette that whole hot mess <laughs> i know i get judged i get judged but ben is the such an amazing human being just so much for charity just incredible and he has like millions of followers and i was like he probably does these all the time like i had to book his a few months out in advance with his assistant. I was like, all right, he's probably just going to be scripted and Mm -hmm. um, just another podcast interview. But he was so nice. He called me on my cell before to say that there was a little hiccup with him getting double booked, but he made the time for me. Um, He talked to me like we had known each other forever forever. Um, we talked baseball cause he's a big baseball fan and I worked in baseball, but just getting to have the conversation with, and him being so comfortable, not talking about the show, but more talking about like what he does for charity and, um, you know, his new, uh, relationship with his fiance and like how special that is. Like that personal side was one where when I got off the recording, I was like, oh my gosh, I, that was like so special to me. Um, and it's my most popular episode of story time. Um, so people have enjoyed it and yeah, it was, it was just amazing.
0: Well, I love it. I think it's a great podcast. I'm I'm super stoked that you joining us today. So it is now the transition to fall here in Arizona. What's the best fall flavor?
1: I don't know if I will get hated on for this. I do not like pumpkin spice.
0: That's all right. Okay. I... What, what are you getting in? Are you like a maple?
1: fam I wish I was more of a fall person I'm winter like Christmas New Year's like but I'd say coffee wise I'm still boring year round I'll do my vanilla sweet cream cold brew I'm scared of the pumpkin cream cold brew but don't change that up. but like apple cinnamon is probably my favorite like fall scent like that's what i love about like halloween and thanksgiving like if i smell that i'm in the best mood
0: there you go and, and you're holding out for peppermint it's it's just around the corner you know as yeah. soon as october comes it's basically christmas and everybody oh, yeah. acts like it so you know that's oh fun.
1: my parents get so mad because i just basically skip over thanksgiving and i'm like all right time to watch christmas movies and oh yeah decorate
0: (laughs) no i I have once heard thanksgiving described as a mere comma in the great book of christmas yeah
1: yes i love it i'm using that all
0: the time now yeah i'm a a christmas decorator i got i'm clark w griswold on the house i've got every light i've got every inflatable it's all good love it all right final question and it's a really hard-hitting one what's your opinion of candy corn
1: another one i'm gonna get hated for i don't mind it so many people hate it i don't know if it's because i like ate it growing up but like i really don't hate it that much
0: it's you know i think people love to hate it i think it's like clowns like everybody is afraid of clowns now yeah it's a a thing you know but i do think all the candy corns were made one time in 1955 and they do have a very like
1: yeah the taste it's like the texture can change between like what should be a fresh candy corn and what you can tell is definitely not. But the taste never changes. So like, I don't, I don't know.
0: Do you think they were trying to make a candle?
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's a good way to think of it. I will say though, my favorite candy though, like candy corns at the bottom, I just won't, like I will never go to the store and buy candy corn, but like Sour Patch Kids, that's my like Halloween candy, that erases. Yeah.
0: So everybody knows that red is the best flavor.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Red. Any like orange or yellow, that's just automatically bottom of the list for
0: me. Oh, I know. Yeah. Don't you get really disappointed? You open up like the starburst and it's like two yellows. You're like, come on.
1: Yes. When you used to trick or treat and get like, clearly like the trick or treat size servings where it's like two or three. And you're just like, this is what I'm stuck with. Just automatically in the trash pile.
0: Yeah, you get a green one and you just really have to hope it's Apple and not Lime, you
1: know? <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, we have hit all of the topics. <laughs> so, Courtney, where can where can people find Story Time?
1: Oh man, I have to actually pull up what the social media is. But it's um, everywhere. It's
0: everywhere you get your podcasts. Right?
1: Yeah, it's on Apple Podcasts. Um, I have all the links on my social media. I probably post about it most on my Twitter at Seabake93. Um, I'm always posting links, sharing episodes, um, but on Twitter, if you guys are on there, it's at story underscore time underscore pod. It was very tough to get a um, easy, easily remembered um, thing. They're but all yeah, taken.
0: They're all taken.
1: I know. So yeah, Apple podcast, um, Spotify, iHeart, it's everywhere.
0: Nice. And what's next for you?
1: Oh man! Well, I just started a new job um, a few weeks ago at um, Society for American Baseball Research, so Saber. It's a nonprofit. That's um, Yeah, so really cool. Staying in baseball and getting to move home. So work-wise, that's uh, what's next. Um, personally, trying to find a place in Arizona because it's a nightmare. Um, but just happy to be back here. And um, once everything kind of slows down, just building more on story time in 2022 making it the biggest year for the show so super stoked about that
0: awesome thank you so much for joining us today this has been the conversation with st patrick studio and we will see you next time thank you courtney
1: thank you brian